Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Matt. And my name is Casey. Welcome into our podcast today, guys. We're so excited to have you. Yes, I have to say um, apologies to past guests and future guests, but I have to say that I am probably most excited for today's guest on the on the episode. Um, our guest today is the wonderful um, Henry Morrow, and why I'm so excited is because I first met Henry in sixth grade on the Capitol steps of Lansing, Michigan, where we were playing French horn in uh, a band thing. And that was the first time we met. And we have been, I would say, friends ever since. We went to the same college and roomed together and still like each other. So, you know, that really shows <laughs> bond. But welcome, Henry, to the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Wow, that is a glowing introduction <laughs> that I certainly can't live up to, but I will try my best. We do, we do it We do it pretty well here at the Beers and Ears podcast. Uh, you should ask some of our other friends of the pod at this point. That's, that's what we like to do. We like to make you feel comfortable, and then we go on the attack is what happens. So, <laughs> you're forewarned right now. So, you know, segue alert. Speaking of attack, see what I did there? We're Ooh. talking about um, an element that is definitely part of the fandom of Disney, but it also reaches a whole other fandom. And that is the crossover between Disney and video games, specifically the Kingdom Hearts series. I was talking to Henry before we started recording and and I was making the comment that when it comes to Disney video games, um, they strike out a lot. Uh, there's been a couple good ones. I mean, you know, the Epic Mickey saga that came out about 10 years ago was pretty, pretty popular. I don't know about the second one so much, but the first one for sure. There's been a handful of others. I mean, who can forget the classic Aladdin game for Sega and Super Nintendo? I mean, come oh, on. Yeah. But none of those touch the craziness that is Kingdom Hearts and the following that Kingdom Hearts has. So I know a little bit about it. Matt, you know a little bit more about it than I do. But you were like, let's bring an expert on, somebody who knows this series inside and out. And that's why we have you here, Henry, right? Yeah, absolutely. Matt has seen me in some of my most intense fan periods as we've gone to the Disney parks together for band events and and I would be completely geeking out over what's the like slice of Kingdom Hearts life I can find here at the parks. So he's definitely experienced that side of me and it's it's great to be able to share it. You know it's funny you say that because it is kind of ironic when you think about how big Kingdom Hearts is to Disney and Disney fandom. Yet when it comes to official Disney parks product or Disney store product it's non-existent. I mean, you can't find it yeah. anywhere. You can find it in a GameStop sometimes. You can find it at a Target sometimes, especially when like there's a new release. But for as popular as the series is, it is kind of weird that Disney hasn't necessarily tried to capitalize on it more in their official channels. And I don't know if that's a licensing thing or, or what. What do you think that is, Matt? So first, before we go on... Uh... At the Disney store, I can't tell you how many times you and I got questions about Kingdom Hearts stuff. People yeah. were were looking for it. But interestingly enough, I have seen pictures at like cast only events or really exclusive events 
of the Donald and Goofy in Kingdom Hearts gear. So it, oh, it's there. Wow. You have it somewhere. Wow. I just, I, I just, it, it's such a market they could capitalize on. And again, yes, there's tons of crossover. And Henry, we're going to get to your story, I'm sure, in a moment. But there's also the people out there who play the game and enjoy the game for the, the RPG element, the story element of what is in a lot of ways kind of a Final Fantasy remix in a lot of ways. So like, there's just a lot of appeal there that Disney, I just, I'm just shocked that they haven't tried to capitalize on that more often. So, so Henry, I'm curious about you. This is the first time we've met. How did you get into Disney? How did you, I mean, before you even get into Kingdom Hearts, how did you get into Disney? Yeah, I think my journey into Disney is probably more of the standard route where I was a kid and uh, had access to the movies and uh, occasionally the shows. I actually never had the Disney Channel growing up until about high school, and I missed out on a lot of good content. But whenever I would visit friends and families, I would always be eager to uh, see what's going on on that channel, too. But uh, definitely through some of the great movies like Lion King, Aladdin, the, the classic animated films were my intro into the space and then just seeing a lot of quality come through, maintain my fandom over the years. Uh, I've always learned new things when listening to you guys in this podcast, but it's been, but I've definitely maintained a fandom of pure Disney myself probably since childhood. So um, tell us a little bit how you got into Kingdom Hearts. Like, how did you discover it? The, like the first taste that you have had of it, what's your first memory of Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, I actually had a cousin uh, who lived in Chicago who, it was my first time ever visiting him, actually. Definitely what third or second, like a distant cousin. And uh, that cousin had a PlayStation 2 and Kingdom Hearts, which I, I didn't own a PlayStation 2 at the time. I've typically owned a lot of Nintendo consoles, and the Kingdom Hearts series has jumped across a ton of different platforms. But at the time, with the original Kingdom Hearts launch, that was only on PlayStation 2. So he had the game. I was super excited to play it and probably spent the, <laughs> the majority of my visit playing Kingdom Hearts when I should have been, you know, like socializing with family. <laughs> uh, hey, hold on. Video games is socializing. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and help them get through and beat the first entry, which is actually not easy to do. That's The first game especially is a challenging game with a lot of the boss fights. But yeah, the game itself just captured me. I'd seen uh, commercials before that, you know, and the music is another thing that resonates commonly with Kingdom Hearts and uh, even in their intro commercials, they would have the theme song that plays during the intro of the game play throughout the commercial. And I was just like, what is this music? It sounds so great. It's, that alone uh, started to get its hooks in me and get me interested. So, so real quick. Before we continue, I have a question. So there might be people listening who don't even know what this is. So I think before we continue with kind of your line of like where you were at and kind of some of the thoughts on it, can you give us just uh, either one of you just kind of give us an understanding? What is Kingdom Hearts? Like what, what is the basic premise of it? Yeah, it's, it's funny you ask that because uh, Kingdom Hearts is definitely – developed a reputation both in the gaming and uh, general Disney community for its convoluted storyline. Oh, so, oh my goodness. It is the most, I, I tried to like concisely put, okay, how can I describe on this podcast a concise way of this uh, storyline? I, I couldn't do it. So um, I, uh, please. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That, that alone is 
been a little bit of a barrier to entry for some people, you know, to even get into the series. But at its core, it's it's a basic adventure story centering around uh, the main character, Sora, who starts the story as a kid on this island who's playing at the, in summertime with his friends and just having fun. And they're separated uh, through, I don't, I don't know how deep into st- uh, spoilers we want to get for the actual franchise, but they're separated and he's tasked with, you know, finding them and reuniting his group. Uh, and to do that, he has to go on a bigger adventure than he expected, kind of venturing into all these different worlds. And of course, the tie into Disney comes there because the worlds are all Disney worlds, with the exception of a few being uh, centered around like Square Enix properties, which is uh, the publisher and uh, collaborator on all of the Kingdom Hearts uh, franchises. So. I'm going to say this right now. Um, spoiler alert. So um, if you don't want spoilers of this game, stop listening and (laughs) go play all the games and then uh, come back and listen to us. So now we can freely talk about any spoilers. I think what's really important to call out here, too, is that, you know, the first of these games released in, it looks like, 2002, right? So we're talking 18 years ago. Disney has always been, and this was something that dates back to very early on, they've always been very protective of their individual franchises intermingling with one another. Back when, and a lot of people don't know this, but you know, there's a very famous line now called the Disney Princess line that was introduced back in the early 2000s. Prior to them doing that, there was a lot of, as they were talking about it, there was a lot of people inside the Disney company that pushed back because they didn't want the princesses to intermingle. They wanted them to exist in their own little world. One thing that people don't realize about the Disney princess line is if you look at the logo where all the princesses are on the logo, they never look at one another. They always are looking at a different direction or into the camera in some way meant to signal that they're not crossing universes. Interesting, right? I bring that up because this, in a lot of ways, was a huge kind of uh, movement away from that philosophy of starting to merge different franchises together. Now, in fairness, as far as I understand, the, the franchises themselves don't merge together. They're still kind of separate. But you've got a villain. I believe it's Maleficent, if I'm not mistaken, is the main villain of this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's the main villain. She understands about all these meta universes and stuff that are out there. Enough! The Keyblade has chosen him. Will it be he who conquers the darkness? Or will the darkness swallow him? Either way, he could be quite useful. So for Disney to do this, this was I think this is one of the reasons why this game was so popular among Disney fans, because it gave them a taste of what could be a greater Disney multiverse, if you will, right? Um, I mean, since then, we've mm-hmm. taken it for granted. You know, uh, Once Upon a Time, House of Mouse, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, had them all on the internet, right? But this was groundbreaking at the time. I, I yeah. have to ask this. How many official Kingdom Hearts games are there? I've got Wikipedia up right now. Let's look. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, There's six, seven, eight... Nine. Uh, nine. And then there's a Kingdom Hearts mobile game. There's a yeah. Kingdom Hearts VR experience. And there's a Kingdom Hearts for Vcast. Uh, oh, and then there's some remixes, too. So I think that's that's 12 official games if you count. Up. And then there's the remixes of one, two, 
so 15 maybe okay so let me let me pause here so let's say with all the remixes that's a lot of remakes so i mean around like 10 to 12 right yeah so i have to point this out because my my world has changed since diz games 4 that one of the questions was how many Airbud movies are there? And <laughs> I learned that there are 12 Airbud movies. So wrap your mind around this, listeners. There are as many Kingdom Hearts games, one of the most popular video game franchises ever, as there are Airbud movies. <laughs> Oh, okay. That like has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. But holy cow! Like, I think about all the numbers, and, and uh, I, I thought about so many things in the past, like two weeks since that episode. Of like, there are more Airbud movies than this. There are more Airbud movies than this. And so, it just my world has changed. So, and then as far as this the the series goes, too. I mean, to go from twenty to 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 basically now. Right, you know, 2019 was when the uh, it looks like uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, which was a long-awaited game of very the, long. Yeah, and, and 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 Kingdom Hearts fans were frustrated because it took that long. Can you just talk a little bit about kind of your emotions as you've kind of gone through just playing the games, which ones you've liked, which ones you haven't liked? You know, what is it like being a Kingdom Hearts fan? You made a lot of great points there that I'm sure any Kingdom Hearts fans listening to the podcast completely resonate with in the time that we've waited between certain installments and uh, a ton of spinoffs. I've, I've had the pleasure to play most of the games listed earlier, minus the VR experience, and then uh, Kingdom Hearts Coded, which was like an early uh, mobile game even. So it's definitely been <laughs> a long road with a lot of installments. Makes it oh, that, that itself is another barrier to entry as well, just... The fact that you have to hop into so many different things to get the full story. But um, I've personally enjoyed all of the games pretty much, uh, barring a few experiences within the games here and there. Uh, A few standouts being Kingdom Hearts 2, just because uh, that actually hit at a a great pinnacle of Kingdom Hearts fandom. Like, uh, had really interesting new installments as far as what worlds you were able to visit within the game. even that was the first foray into including live action worlds into the game as well. So Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, Tron were both included in that installment. And it was a really cool experience those for the first time uh, within the Kingdom Hearts world. And then others um, have received mixed critical reception. Kingdom Hearts 3, including being one of them, uh, just because you could imagine after so much buildup and so much time and so, and so much emotion on when is Kingdom Hearts 3 even going to be released, that it was a tall order to live up to by the time the game had actually released last year. And though the worlds themselves were all incredibly well thought out, really cool experiences, uh, tying in the story in a way that would satisfy everyone is just a tall order, no matter how you look at it after all that time. So it, it's definitely been an up and down roller coaster. I, I know Matt's probably heard me complain a million times about <laughs> going to release the next Kingdom Hearts. They, when the PS4 launch reveal happened was, uh, or it may have been the year after, but that's when the game announcement was finally out with some type of visual acuity to that the game exists even so it was definitely a long wait but it was satisfying to be able to finally get that at least for me i know mixed uh fans have mixed 
thoughts about having the development take that long. And it had an interesting effect on what worlds were able to be represented to, because you could imagine in all that time, so many Disney properties have come out that could be potential worlds to explore within the game. But with the game being in development so long, you can't even include the more recent ones, even though they did a good job getting Frozen uh, in there and Big Hero 6 too. So, so a, a quick question. So I know with a lot of times with these video game series, these other games that come out on you know, handheld devices, things like that, they aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily move the story along. A lot of times they're side quests or side stories or something different. Is there like a central thread between the games that ties all of them together? Or is there like a, just a series, a set of the games that like are the main story? Like how does all that work? Yeah, it would probably be easier to digest if they were actually just kind of distant side stories, but there is definitely a central thread that connects some of the spin-off-ish games on handheld devices wow. uh, that does tie into the main story. And Kingdom Hearts 3 um, even goes into those specific details. So if you hadn't played all the games up until then, there would be moments where you'd be kind of scratching your head wondering, like, who is that? What is going on? So in that sense, you definitely have to keep up. Uh, I will say that a couple of the remixes uh, and remasters that were released on PS4 kind of are a good way to catch up. Uh, like I did a full playthrough of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 and a couple of the side stories that are all included in a bundle of two games. So it was still about like $100 to buy all those. But it was an easy way all on the PS4 to kind of just recap the whole series. And they even included like little snippets of games uh, or little synopses of games that weren't included in the remaster, but gave you information on what happened. So if you wanted to catch up, you could do it that way pretty easily. I think the challenge here, you know, we've talked about accessibility into this franchise is that it's not just on one system. Like there was one that was a Game Boy Advance exclusive, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, DS. I was on the Nintendo DS, Birth by Sleep. Yeah, and so you... Sorry, sorry, no, to correct myself, it was 358 and a half days, which is <laughs> the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> spinoff titles are also an interesting point in themselves. But, <laughs> but um, that, like, that's the problem where it's, it's not just I have to buy a system, but I have to buy multiple systems. Uh, now, I will say, if you are wondering, hey, you know, this sounds really, really fun. I, I might want to get into this. I mean, just start. The internet is a wonderful thing. So if really there's a game that you're just like, I, I cannot get my hands on this. There's no way. Just wikipedia or google or whatever whatever the storyline is and read it about you know you know 20 times to actually understand what's actually going on (laughs) but um uh, the the nice thing about the internet today is you can it, it it has made so many inaccessible things or unaccessible, whatever the correct English is um (laughs) um the it made them more accessible yeah that's a really good point and i will point out that like Aside from like doing those those game bundles that are on the PS4, um, researching or doing like quick look at the synopses for some of the games is a really good way to digest the material. The exceptions I would probably throw out, like a lot of the gameplay is very similar but improved upon in different iterations of the game. A couple standouts are Kingdom Hearts Re Chain of Memories, uh, which was the Game Boy Advance. Uh, actually, yeah, that one was first released on Game Boy Advance and then was remastered for. PS4 as well, but uh, that game uses a card-based battling system in addition to like the action RPG. So it, they kind of experiment with the gameplay formula a little bit on the spinoffs, but that that's one that's 
that I think is worth experiencing firsthand, if at all possible. And the rest kind of follow a similar, but uh, a similar action RPG kind of flow that improves upon it with new mechanics and different things every game. Let me let me ask this question real quick because one of the things that frustrates me, I, I'm a very casual game player. I am not a gamer at all, but I play certain games. Like I make it a point to always get the new Super Mario when it comes out, no matter what system mm-hmm. it is. So, you know, Super Mario Odyssey is one of the greatest games of all times. In my oh, opinion. I love it. Woo-hoo! Oh, it's an amazing game. It's got such replayability in it, right? Another huge uh, franchise that I'm a huge fan of is Paper Mario. Now, they struggled over the course of the last, I don't know, decade to make some of the better the games better, although they did somewhat redeem themselves with the Origami King, the one that came out last month. But those I can handle because they're all set in the same universe. They're set with the same characters. And Nintendo has never tried to connect every single game to the next game in some cohesive storyline. Like, there's been some fans who've tried, but (laughs) it's never been officially canon, let's put it that way. Nintendo is not where you're going for a rich, deep plot in your story. (laughs) That's not true. No, no, no. Because then you take something like Zelda, and, oh my god, (laughs) it, on the other hand, will literally make you go insane trying to figure out how all of the Zeldas fit together. Like there's oh, yeah. a dozen of them or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I've tried reading up on it. I finally found a YouTube channel. I finally found a YouTube video that takes about 20 minutes to go through, maybe 25 minutes to go through every Zelda game ever created and explain the plot and where it fits in the timeline. And you find uh, there's a fork in the timeline here. And then over here, there's another fork over here. And then this happens here and this happens here, but this one's back travels back in time. And it depends on what happens. And you go, what is going on? That's one of the things I'm curious to know about kingdom hearts is is the protagonist the same throughout the series? Is it set in a general, like, couple of year, couple of decade even span? Or are we dealing with situations where stuff goes back hundreds of years and goes forward hundreds of years and we're dealing with different people? Is the villain the same throughout? Like, help. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So there's small pieces of where it does branch off in an extreme fashion like that. The majority of the story takes place probably within the realm of 10 years between where there's a set of, um, I I don't want to call they're like main characters. I don't want to call them side characters, but there's uh, a game called birth by sweep that birth by sleep. That is a prequel story that dives into three uh, characters who eventually tie into the main plot line. That's an exception. And there's also, the 358 and a half days also focuses another protagonist's point of view. And, and there's a couple of games where you get to play as Sora, the main protagonist. He's kind of the main thread throughout the majority of the games, but some branch off like to experience side characters like Riku. And then the one extreme outlier is the mobile game. Uh, I think it's called Union Cross, which takes place like some 400 years before like everything happens in the in the regular franchise so so there are definitely moments where it gets way out there like that and you're kind of wondering how this ever eventually ties back into the story Uh, but the majority is kind of like seated within one straight adventure and even like the exception of like 358 and a half days is like 
takes place within the main storyline. And at least the, the protagonist character is a character you've already been exposed to through the other game. So it's like, you're not like getting someone brand new a lot of the time. It's, it's like within a realm that you understand, but getting this person's point of view. Matt, I know you've got a million more questions. I just want to do a follow-up on that real quick. No, no worries. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> Does that not drive you crazy though? Like maybe that's, maybe this is why <laughs> because I, to me, and, and I've said this before on the pod, I'm a very straightforward fr- start to finish. I like to know that there is a beginning and end. I don't like open world games. I don't like, you know, World of Warcraft. I don't like those type of games where you just get to do what you want to do. Like that new Zelda game that came out, I think Breath of the Wild is what it's called. That, that would drive me nuts because <laughs> me, my fiance was playing it and and he's like, well, I can, I can do whatever I want. There's really no real, I mean, there's a storyline, but you can kind of go off and branch whatever you want. That's an open world. That would drive me insane. And so like, I think the reason why maybe I haven't sat down to try to learn or play, I mean, I've tried the first game, but my frustration, and I'm just, I, I, maybe I just want to know how you think about this. Like when you sit down to play a new Kingdom Hearts games, do you, does your brain think, where does this fit in the franchise? Or do you just play the game for what the game is? For sure. Yeah, I definitely, because of my just like deep-seated relationship with Kingdom Hearts, I should say, <laughs> in the hopes that, it's been, that have been driven into me, like I, I definitely do start to make the connections. I can completely understand why you would not. And um, and it, like experiences like you mentioned Breath of the Wild, which is, is a funny example because I know like the open world, like leave the choice up to you experience is definitely not for everyone, especially when you look at games like Minecraft, which is like, it's a top selling game, one of the top selling games of all time. And it's really just like a sandbox. Like no one tells you what to do. You just like dive in. So that gets really popular with a lot of people. So, and sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't like, I love Breath of the Wild, but I couldn't get into something like Minecraft. But in the, in the case of Kingdom Hearts, it's like, it's kind of an unexplained when something gets its hooks into me, even if it's potentially convoluted or I'm not going to be able to like see an end to it. Like it's hard for me to break away from that. So that's definitely been the case for this. And the initial appeal of the game was so cool to me and also hit at a perfect time of like me being at a young age that yeah. that I was willing to, <laughs> clearly willing to stick out the long fight when you think <laughs> about having to wait like 12 to what, 15 years between installments in the case of like Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3. So yeah, it, it, <laughs> I can understand the frustration and I can guarantee you're not alone <laughs> in that. I will say in the game itself the game is not an open world game so you if you sit down and play a kingdom hearts game it's not like it's here's all the worlds you choose where to go it's it's a it's a linear storyline within the game now the storyline can be convoluted but there's not like side quests or all right well are you going to do this main quest or are you going to do these seven other things like a game like uh, marvel spider-man is a perfect example of this where there's a main storyline but you can also go and save citizens or stop a bank robbery or go uh, beat some people up i don't know um um you know <laughs> It, it, there's there, there's just one linear storyline. So that case, it might be more, while the story may be a little more convoluted, the actual game is linear. Yeah. That's fair. That's, That's a good fair. Point. Just to bring it back to something, you know, Disney, what are some of the, the, um, the worlds that you do end up exploring that are Disney? I mean, I know they're littered throughout all the games. What are some of the worlds? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good coverage. Initially, they only focused on 2D animated worlds in the movies and that was due in part due to like 
even though Disney protects a lot of their properties a lot, so, um, there was some interesting kind of rights playing into some of those things too. Like, for instance, Tarzan, uh, that world is in the the first installment of Kingdom Hearts and doesn't appear in any of the sequels. Uh, and that was a unique case because that was actually an attempt for, I forget the name of the the partial rights owners to the Tarzan franchise, but they included it in the game just to be able to maintain the rights beyond further. So that was just like an interesting side case, but you definitely get like Aladdin, Hercules, which actually is one of the worlds that is a recurring world in almost every single game, uh, which is unusual. A lot of them appear like a couple times and then they're, and then you don't see them again for a while. A lot of the 2D animated Little Mermaid appeared uh, in Pinocchio, your whole world was battled inside of Monstro, which was kind of a unique world experience kind of set up for that. And then it started to branch into like live action, as I mentioned before, with like Pirates of the Caribbean and Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, same with Tron and Mulan was a new addition in that one. Uh, and there's there's definitely many more. Just started to get Pixar into Kingdom Hearts 3. So like Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. appeared in that game. And then as well as like Disney's newer 3D animated movies like uh, Tangled and Frozen and Big Hero 6. Hmm. So it definitely covers the gamut across a long time frame and even has some really cool deep cuts. Like uh, there's a Steamboat Willie world in Kingdom Hearts 2 that goes through and the animation is rendered in 3D, but it has that that classic um, black and white style, which is a really cool and probably underrated world in the grand scheme of all the worlds you can visit. So they take some, do some cool experimenting. What um, is your favorite world to visit? Like you, you get to this part in the game and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> probably Tron. Man, what kind of world is this anyway? You're inside a mainframe computer system. A what system? A computer system for processing data. This system is a copy of one created by a corporation called ENCOM. The original program was destroyed. Uh, though Big Hero 6 recently was a big competitor to that. But Tron, uh, the, the way that world is realized, it's already like a game, so it fits really well into the video game space. And the way that world is realized is so cool. You, you see throughout... Anytime Sora, Donald, and Goofy visit a world, they also somewhat transform to fit into the world a little bit. Uh, so like in Tron, they had the Tron kind of light line, flashy get up. Uh, in Halloween Town, they're totally decked out as monsters. And uh, Toy Story, they become toys. And in Little Mermaid, they're all, they all have fins. And uh, even like Goofy turns into a turtle. And it's just like kind of an interesting <laughs> reimagining of the characters every time they visit a new world. But uh, the Tron one just fits so cool with like the techno game. And I'm also um, a developer myself. So being in the computer world is kind of like a cool concept to me. Big Hero 6 gets an honorable mention because the storyline on a lot of the games is usually just like the main storyline to go into the uh, correlating movie. But Big okay. Hero 6 actually introduced a new storyline. Or yeah, they sometimes go into the sequels as well in the storylines. But Big Hero 6 introduced a new storyline that... Um, centered around Baymax and um, spoilers for that movie if you haven't seen it, but with Baymax gets left behind in kind of that in-between dimension realm towards the end of Big Hero uh -huh. 6. And then they explore that concept more because uh, Hero, the main character, invents a new Baymax, um, but the old Baymax is still existing and he actually gets possessed by some of the creatures who are the evil creatures in the game and is brought back. And that presents like a, an interesting emotional 
issue for Hero being able to defeat him as a villain. So it's kind of like a new creative branch they took without like having that be something to draw upon from source material. And I thought that was really cool as well. Vmax, don't bother. This puppet has lost his heart. He won't wake up. He's not a puppet. Vmax is like my family. Please give me back my friend. <laughs> I, I have a, just a couple of random, like random questions. From a canon perspective, I would imagine all the events that take place here in Kingdom Hearts land, if you will, are probably like a different universe from what the these actual universes are canon-wise in their own little worlds, right? Like what you just described about Big Hero 6, they ever made a Big Hero 6 2, do you think that they would ever use the storyline that you got out of Kingdom Hearts? Or do you think that would just kind of be its own little thing? Yeah, that's an interesting perspective because... That's kind of the first time throughout the series that I've seen them take liberties with a storyline within one of the worlds. And that's one that I could see potentially being used as a sequel, which I'm sure would be kind of confusing to manage because obviously if you play the game, you kind of had that experience. But yeah, it, it presented a new kind of opportunity for a game to actually lead the plot in a in a world that is normally completely controlled by the movie. So that definitely had a new kind of wrinkle to throw into it. Where do you want to see them go next? Like, do you want to see a Kingdom Hearts 4? Has the series kind of run its course? What, you know, you've obviously been a fandom now for 18 years. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, it may sound crazy, uh, especially because, I mean, in full transparency, there's, there's the game leaves it in a space where there's a lot of room to branch out and explore more stories within the universe. And I think Tets, uh, Tetsuya Nomura uh, has hinted at wanting to be able to do more in the universe too. So it seems like that's where it's headed. But personally, after the experience of having to wait so long for another main installment of the franchise, I would only hope that, you know, that doesn't repeat itself, I guess. I would say. I'd, I'm perfectly fine exploring more Disney worlds with these characters. They, they're really fun and um, the action is always really great. And one thing they're really good about is maintaining the main character of that world to still be the main character of the world. So it's not like Sora comes in and just like completely takes over their life. It's like you you really are kind of like finding a nice slot along the main character to and they get to still experience their growth and you're kind of alongside that. Um, so I'd like to see them continue to exp- uh, to explore that. I personally would be comfortable with like kind of finding a new char- new main character or um, kind of branching off in that way and seeking out a new story. But uh, that's personal preference. Any advice for someone who wants to get started in it? If you got someone listening right now and you got 18 years worth of games, what should they do first? Definitely the easiest path. If, if you truly want to play all the games and get the full uh, experience, which I guess a, a quarantine would be a good time to, to do that. <laughs> I would suggest going out and getting the cheapest model of PS4 you can find and buying the two remasters that contain uh, basically all the games minus the mobile games. And the VR experience is not included in that too. But the rest of the mainline and what's the word? Sideline games of the series are all included in that. So that's a great way to go in and just try to play through everything if you you really want to go that route. 
and it, I think it can be really fun. Obviously, like I mentioned, I did it right before Kingdom Hearts 3 came out and I had a blast with it uh, just because I know the games and I wasn't like looking to try to find the nooks and crannies of how to get past certain obstacles. But as Matt mentioned before, I think it also would be worthwhile to kind of explore definitely the mainline uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, and 3 games. Uh, and then if you get a chance to play Chain of Memories, because that card battle system is such a cool take on the main action RPG formula that they use in the game normally. Uh, but then uh, for the other side ones, you may just be fine exploring them on Wikipedia or YouTube and watching playthroughs. I know, I've looked at those as well, even though I've already played through the games. Uh, and, but you can still find on YouTube like uh, a lot of the cutscenes and quick looks at the battles so you kind of see what you're missing too. So both are definitely fair routes, especially with as many games in this series as in Airbud. You may want to consider that. But, <laughs> I, I, here, suggestion for our listeners, do these games before you decide to watch all of the Airbud franchise. Well, just to... that's just not fair. They might like cute puppies. Come on, Matt. <laughs> So before we end, I have a, we don't usually do segments, but I have a quick segment that I want to do. My, my question was, why aren't there more Disney based games like this? Because, you know, honestly, we're on the cusp of Marvel releasing uh, a great game. I believe that's Square Enix as well. Um, that, that comes out, I believe after it will have come out after this episode um, ha- releases. Um, Star Wars has had Battlefront, and then there's a Squadrons uh, game coming out here in the near future that's all like pilot based. So, I mean, Marvel and Star Wars are pumping out the games. And you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Epic Mickey can prove that Disney can do really good games. So I, my segment is called Pitch Meeting, and I'm going to pitch you two on four Disney games that I – these are really skeleton ideas, but I want you to say yes or no whether you would uh, – whether you'd be interested in this. I like this. I like this. I will tell you before you start your pitch, they do have good games, but you've noticed – Disney does a lot of mobile games. Like a lot of their stuff has really, if you look at some of the stuff they put out, Disney Magic Kingdoms is a mobile game and it is one of the hottest games out there. Um, what was that game you and I were playing for a while? I don't know if you're still playing it or not. Uh, uh, battle Mode. Um, Disney Heroes Battle Mode. And the other one that I've gotten into is Disney Sorcerer's Arena, which is other yeah. the same iterations of the same thing. But the, the thing, the reason they're doing mobile is because that's where the money is. Yeah, well, that and I mean, Disney Zoom Zoom. Disney Emoji Blitz. I mean, those are, I mean, they're not games like this. They're not, you know, Kingdom Hearts by any means, but they've got that Disney, that Disney flair. All right. Anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, I want to hear your... Uh, just a comment real quick to to what you're saying. It's it's definitely a statement on games in general because, of course, you see, you saw Disney do a lot of, like, movie tie-in games that were, uh, like, you know aimed at getting a profit off of the the brand recognition of the movie during its release. And you saw that not just Disney doing that, but like properties all over the place from mm-hmm. superheroes to uh, action movies to everything in between. So that was definitely a more common thing in the past. And now a lot of that has fallen into the, like you said, the mobile game space, yeah. uh, but also uh, companies have had to be a bit more strategic because uh, video game development budgets have inflated so much over yeah. the years so they definitely like now when they release something it needs to be good and it needs to be a hit or it's going to be or they're going to take a hit as a result and that you've seen like um game studios including the one um that originally was working 
uh, alongside or under Square Enix for this project for Kingdom Hearts had seen development fallout too for a minute or things. So, so yeah, that's just like a statement on the games industry in general and how that's why you see that kind of ripple effect. But I'm excited to hear your pitches. Okay, so yeah, let's go. Let's do it. My caveats are: I have a two-week-old at home. I'm tired, and I also am not a video game developer. Okay. So a Disney racing game where you go through various locations, variety of characters and vehicles. Like I'm imagining like a land on his magic carpet and, and you're going through Agrabah or you're going through Zootopia or you're going through, uh, you know, what there are so many worlds you could go through and you could make a really great ra- Disney racing experience. Yes or no? I'll let you go first, uh, Henry. I, I say yes. Uh, and it's a, I assume like some older version of this has to exist, but if it doesn't, that's crazy because it seems like a pretty easy go to do a kart racer on that. I am going to have to say hard pass for me. It's basically a ripoff of Mario Kart and Mario (laughs) uh, has got the corner on cartoon racing games. So it's going to be a hard no for me. Okay, second one. Some type of, this is maybe in the same vein of Epic Mickey, but a classic cartoon Mickey game. I'm thinking a platformer that uh, is based off of the um, the classic Mickey cartoons. Almost kind of a little bit of a Cuphead vibe to it, for those, uh, for those of you that know what that is. Um, uh, that's kind of what I'm feeling on that. Yay or nay? I'll say, or sorry, I'm going again, but I'll say Nade simply because of the Cuphead experience. It's going to be a hard one to be. And I know, obviously, with Mickey, it's a great character and that would, could, has the potential to be a great experience. But Cuphead's kind of like come out and done that so recently that it may be hard to, to grab that again. I literally just had to Google what Cuphead was because I had no idea what you were talking about. So for our (laughs) listeners who don't know what Cuphead is, it is a run-and-gun video game developed and published by the Canadian video game developer Studio something-something in 2017. It's these people that literally have cups as heads. So uh, (laughs) to answer your question, that is going to be a nay, uh, no for me as well, simply because you can already find those games on the Super Nintendo. Uh, Disney released back in the 90s a whole set of these uh, classic games. In fact, I own one still somewhere around here. Uh, one of which is uh, Mickey goes through all of his various cartoons in this huge, really fun adventure. Now, granted, it's a 2D side-scroller, but it was a fun game, one of my favorite games. Okay, awesome. Uh, this is one that's really a skeleton because I, I, I couldn't think of exactly what this would be, but some type of game that is around one of their Disney Parks attraction. So a game that is based on Big Thunder Mountain or a game that is based on Figment Journey into Imagination. Now, let me be clear, this wouldn't just be like you ride the ride, but it would be some game that would have a storyline that would be based around Big Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain, Space Mountain, whatever. So I'm going to go first on this one, Henry. I don't necessarily like the idea of having it based around one attraction. What I have always wanted Disney to do, and I don't know why they have not done this, with the popularity of the Roller Coaster Tycoon fandom of years and years, I mean, I'm talking two decades worth, why in the world there has not been a Disney theme park tycoon where you're not only able to do what you can do in Magic Kingdom, but I'm talking like... You can build the ride, you can ride the rides, you can manage the expenses of your park, uh, you can basically what you get out of a roller coaster tycoon, but for a Disney park. That I would buy, <laughs> not an individual uh, 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 game that is kind of an adventure based game on a ride. Okay. 
Wow, Casey, you totally swung me on that one. Initially, I was <laughs> I was going to be a no on the experience. Uh, well, I guess it would depend on also what attraction was done. But the idea of a Disney parks themed like roller coaster roller coaster tycoon experience uh, definitely. Okay, so last one. So this maybe is more Kingdom Heartsy because I was feeling in the Kingdom Hearts mood. But the plot would be that some type of villain spell gets cast that alters the end of all these Disney movies. And Mickey or somebody who is more of like a, a, a staple Disney character has to move through the worlds and restore the world to what once was. And so you're partnering up with the quote unquote underground resistance. So imagine an Agrabah that is in ruins and Aladdin has been driven underground and you have to help him out. And it could be a a very similar, it could be open world. It could not be open world, but um, kind of that plot line. What do you think? I'll let you go first, Henry, because I've got, exactly what i'm going to say on this (laughs) okay well yeah for me that sounds pretty much like a kingdom hearts like dlc so i i would say no probably for me just because it sounds so much like the experience that i've already known but not so for me that is a resounding yes now here's why because before you even going to go there i was going to pitch one of my ideas to you this merges with what my idea would be here's what I mean by that. There was a game that came out about eight or so years ago, nine or so years ago. Henry, you'll probably know it if you're into superheroes. It was a DC game, and it was a DC open-world multi-universe game where you had to pick whether you wanted to be a villain or a hero, and then you kind of got to create your own hero uh, or your own villain. You got to choose your superpowers. You got to choose all the stuff. And basically, you started off in Metropolis, but then you got to go do all these really ad- crazy adventures everywhere else, and you would run into the heroes of DC. Uh, Superman, you would run into Batman, you would run into some of the, the, the villains, and you, were, and you were basically, you were with the villains, and you were with the superheroes, fighting off one major supervillain. I think he was like Mega Brain or something like that. Do you know which game I'm talking about? Uh, DC Universe Online, I think. is. Yes, that's one. This is the one exception of a game where I liked the open world concept because I felt free to just do whatever the hell I wanted. If Disney were to put something together like that to where all these worlds merge together, you started off in, you know, heck, you could make it the Magic Kingdom of, of Walt Disney World is the central hub of where it all begins. And you get to create your own character or you can be an established character, but you interact with all these different characters from all these different worlds to stop this crazy universe, multi-universe threat that's going to threaten them all. But you get to pick where you want to go. You get to kind of create your own character, level up your own character. That right there would sell like hotcakes in my opinion. So I say resounding yes. And I think my point in this is not to show that I have the best ideas ever because, I mean, clearly a lot of my ideas are based (laughs) off of what other ideas are. I mean, that was some of what you guys said of like, well, this already exists. But if me, who is on little sleep and not in the creative industry, can come up with this idea, there has to be people at Disney that can come up with way better ideas than I can. And and so I just feel like there, there, there has to be room for some type of epic Disney game like this. You know, if Kingdom Hearts does end, what comes and fills that void of a Disney game that isn't your, like, kitty game? I agree with you. I think that 
you know, and Henry, maybe you're in a better position to speak to this because you are a developer. I think the world of video games is changing and will continue to change. I mean, really the next leap in a lot of ways, you know, I know PlayStation 5 is coming out here and they announced it, but really the next leap is going to be to figure out a way to make VR kind of a, a, a full-on real experience. I mean, we're already there with this this um, augmented reality, right? We're kind of there with like Pokemon Go. How yeah. do we take that to the next level? I mean, any thoughts on that, Henry? Yeah, it's definitely the next frontier that a lot of people are working towards. It's I think the challenges are both making it price accessible as possible so people can afford to have it in their living rooms and um, making the experiences such in a way that they want to have them in their living rooms. So it's uh, really breaking through that like core barrier is the biggest challenge, I think, for that. But I hope to see more of that. There's some really cool stuff coming out on VR. And uh, and Matt, to speak to your point about like what that next game is, it's funny, I just listened to your, your guys' Mandalorian uh, episode and it's funny the shows that are like scheduled out in that in that sort of way or plotted out in that way where it's like there's the core storyline but there's also like here's the weekly adventure we're going on or here's the like the thing we're going to tackle in this one like self-contained episode um that kind of thing makes for a perfect game experience so naturally i'm a big supporter of the possibility of a Mandalorian video game coming out of that. That'd be awesome. Well, Matt, Henry, I am looking over at the bartender and he has got some evil eyes at me right now. Like, why are you still here? (laughs) Uh, So I think it's time that we close up the show. Henry, it it has been a pleasure to meet you and and I really appreciate you coming on. I know Matt, you do too. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. So uh, we're going to close the show out, guys. If you need to get a hold of us, uh, we are on Facebook, uh, Beers and Ears Podcast. You can email us at beersandears1928 at gmail.com. On Twitter and Instagram, beersandears1928. All ways to get a hold of us, interact with us. What do you think? Are you a Kingdom Hearts fan? Do you have an idea for a Disney game that you know Matt didn't think in his two hours worth of sleep? You know, what is it? Let us know. We have new episodes drop on Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars, five stars uh, to let us know how we're doing. And uh, yeah, let's raise our glass, Matt. This episode's been on us, my friend. Yeah, um, we will see you all next time. <laughs>